Welcome to the Strength and Dignity podcast, where we discuss Christian lifestyle, scripture, biblical concepts, and hear testimonies from various guests. I'm your host, Kelsey Pryor, and I hope you find encouragement, solid teaching, and thought-provoking concepts here. Welcome to our series on the Sabbath, where, through the course of various episodes, we will be discussing the Sabbath throughout the Bible, Sabbath throughout history, what the Sabbath means to Christians today, as well as stories from people who keep the Sabbath. If you enjoy this content, please be sure to share with your friends. All right, let's dive into the episode. Welcome, guys, to the Strength and Dignity podcast. I'm here with two of my close family friends, Steve and Taffy Carpenter, all the way from Israel. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Well, Steve and Taffy live in Jerusalem, but they're originally from the States, from the West Coast. So I wanted them to give a little bit of an overview of what brought them to Israel. And then we're in the middle of our Shabbat series. So we're going to talk about the Sabbath and um, predominantly how they see the Sabbath living in Jerusalem, not only in Israel, but in Jerusalem, which is like the religious center of the whole country. So Taffy, you guys, you want to tell us a little bit about what brought you to Jerusalem? Yes. Um, thank you, Kelsey, for having us on your yeah. <laughs> podcast. We're very honored guests and we're fans of Kelsey and the prior family. Um, we as a family came to Israel in 2007 and we were um, living in the United States as a married couple for 13 years. Um, most of our married years were in Seattle, Washington area. And we were working with a very wonderful church. Um, We started um, very small with a pioneering work and it grew to be thousands of people. And we were really just um, having a wonderful life, very fulfilled, very contented. We were doing, you know, like like you do in a church, you have your hands in many things, worship, missions, you know, training up young people. And meanwhile, giving birth to our kids there as well. Um, So- Well, you, you were doing that part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you helped me, but yeah, that's true. So um, we, I would say around uh, the year 2003, we just felt some real stirrings in our heart. While we were very, very thankful for what God had um, blessed us with, we felt like there was something more that he wanted us to press into. And little did we know that after a time of um, set apart fasting and prayer, um, for about 30 days or so that the Lord really came and divinely visited us in our little home in Issaquah, Washington, and came into our living room and uh, spoke out of Isaiah 19, literally gave that reference to us and showed us about this, that there would be a highway. Isaiah 19, verse 23 to 25, talks about a highway that that would come up from Egypt into Syria And ultimately, Egypt and Assyria, ancient Assyria, encompasses more Middle East nations today, modern nations. But with those nations, along with Israel, they would all worship and serve the Lord together and release a blessing in the midst of the whole earth. We realize this hasn't happened yet. This is really something yet to come. It's a messianic type prophecy, but it's like the Lord showed us a bit of a mystery and like pulled back the curtains. And it just gave us a greater hunger for um, for the Arab world and for um, the Jewish state of Israel. And we began to pray into it. And as we did so, many confirmations came, including a prophetic uh, confirmation, very strong prophetic confirmation in front of our whole congregation, basically read our mail that the Lord had been speaking to about the Middle East. And we, you know, that we weren't, um, we weren't out of our minds. We hadn't lost our minds. We weren't like way off track, but this was the Lord speaking to us and that he was going to use us here in this region to open up um, these 
these nations that have been closed and darkened by the spirit of Islam and other things. And so actually we came in 2003 on an exploratory trip with our two munchkins. Um, Samuel was age three, Elliot was seven months. And I was pregnant with the third one because during that time of God showing us, I became pregnant as well. So it was like, our third one has become a prophetic child and a signpost. So Hmm. Uh, we came and the Lord moved on our hearts during that time. We really wanted to come back and stay for a short extended period of time. And, but, um, it didn't work out at that time. That's another story for another podcast. (laughs) We initially made contact with Israel in 2003. We didn't know anything about it. Um, we didn't have a background in being taught about Israel or about the Shabbat or about their tradition or the Jewish roots. So we were just immersed in it for a month and um, baptized into it. And we had many wonderful experiences where God opened our eyes and brought revelation during those days. That's really how it started. Yeah. That's amazing. So how many years have you guys lived there full time now? Uh, We've been here for 13 years. We're in our 13th year in Israel. That's crazy. We're in our 14th year. 13 and I still want to say 10. Because I think I, I, like, you yeah. know, three years ago or whatever, I was saying 10 a lot. And I realized, I think I'm still saying 10 years, but it's been three years. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. That's crazy. So, before you guys moved to Israel, had you ever heard of Shabbat or did you ever keep Shabbat yourselves? Well, when it came to Shabbat, I mean, we obviously heard about it because we read the Bible. and But it was more just kind of in our head, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't something that was practiced um, as we know now. It wasn't practiced um, in our faith community in the States. Um, though we read the Bible, we know that God created the world and on the seventh day he rested. We know that in Exodus, one of the commandments that he gave to the to the children of Israel after they left Egypt was to remember the Sabbath day and keep it special, mm-hmm. keep it holy. It was something set apart and sanctified. So we, you know, we read those scriptures, but that was not at all our experience in the States. It was just, um, you know, Sabbath was just Sunday and you went to church and, you know, if you're in ministry, you worked hard. And, you know, when it was over, you got home, took a nap, watched some football, and that was about it. But there, there was, you know, that, that was our experience. Yeah. So when you guys moved to Jerusalem, was there like a culture shock when it came to Friday afternoon, Friday evening, everything shutting down? Well, yeah, initially. I mean, initially it was a culture shock because, I mean, this is the one country in the world. Um, and we might get to this later on in, 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 our, in our chat today, but this is the one country in the world that, that sets aside Friday, you know, late afternoon until Saturday, you know, late afternoon, you know, sundown to be, you know, everything stops, stores close, you know, and, and as an American coming to another country, you're kind of used to that 24 seven, you know, you can get anything you want, go anywhere you want. And then you mm-hmm. come to a country like this that actually stops. Mm-hmm. Initially, it's a little bit weird. You're like, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. I, you know, what, what do you mean the stores are closing at two o'clock? What do you mean? I can't come in and get my thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was a little bit of a culture shock. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about how even the convenience stores have 24-6 signs instead of 24-7, especially in Jerusalem. I bet other parts of the country might be a little bit different, but especially in Jerusalem, everything really does shut down. So I want to talk about like um, 
actually living there, like describing a Friday afternoon to a Friday night and Saturday. But before we get into that, I want to know like what the pivot moment was for you guys, either individually or for your family to get you. Um, was it just pure culture? Like you were kind of forced into it because everything was shut down or was there something else that like stirred you to actually keep the Sabbath as a family? Kath, you want to go first? Well, one marked memory I have when we moved to Haifa initially, we lived next door to this family who had um, children that they were in their late teens and 20s. They were coming and going from the home. Some of them were in the army. And we could see as we walked by to our home, we could always see the back part of their home where they sat and took their outside meals. And we noticed right away, one of the first things that stood out to us is they were always sitting around the table. You could count on it every Friday night. They were sitting there for hours, hours, talking, eating, fellowshipping, and just so contented just to be together. And even though they were scattered around the country in university or the army, they would, you know, if they could be there, they would be around that table. So even I would call that family a secular family. Even secular families, um, that's one thing they do, is they're going to be together on Friday. So that was one observation we made of the culture itself. And because we were also received into Israel by beautiful families who had lived here and made Aliyah, um, made Mm -hmm. Israel their home as Jewish citizens, um, we learned from them many things uh, sitting around their table Hmm. and listening to what they shared. Um, and seeing the fruit of their lives. And so um, the forced stop and the things closing obviously encourages encourage that because there's not much you can do. You can go to the beach, you can walk, walk, you can um, read books, you can play games. But we quickly just adapted to it because we already had been in a mode before coming to Israel of um, homeschooling a bit, and we were in that mode of, like, come close as a family. Um, and so we just embraced it. We, we I think... There was an epiphany moment at some point. I think it just, it, it came to us in the first few months that it was like, this is what we were missing. We knew this was something of substance that we needed, but we didn't know really how to work that and integrate it into our American lives in the Western church. It just, what it didn't exist in our circles. So, um, yeah, I think just in the first few months, we, we gleaned a lot from others and we watched the country itself, the culture and the families, how they operated. And we loved what we saw. There's a closeness between fathers, mothers and children and and spouses. It's just beautiful. The grandparents are involved, aunts and uncles. There's many people around the table at many Shabbat dinners, you know, it's extended family. And, um, and some are really, uh, spiritual experiences, you know, where they're really reading, the scripture and they're praying and they're singing. It's beautiful. So we've yeah. incorporated and taken bits of that and, and made it our own. I would say maybe Steve wants to share about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're all, I mean, we're, I think we're all, no matter where we are, definitely affected by our culture. You know, um, yeah. I think the, the I think the, the, the big moment for me when it comes to Shabbat is that even though Israel as a culture honors the, the, the Shabbat, um, it, it connected to the Bible, you know what I mean? It, it was like, this is not just a cultural sort of weekly thing. I mean, though it is, um, but it's connected to something that is, that transcends culture. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. it, 
it connects to a um, it connects to God who we love and worship. It connects to His Word, and and so for me there was just kind of this excitement. And and to be honest with you, it's it, it's like my most favorite part of being in Israel. I, I think yeah. the the the, sh- the honoring of the Shabbat and the all of it all all that it means probably is just one of my favorite parts of being here in Israel because it's it's connected me to something that God set apart and sanctified as a blessing for his yeah. people. And it just is amazing Trent, how that has just worked into our rhythms. You know, the cultural yeah. rhythms sort of forced it, but then it, it kind of created a, a family rhythm that is a biblical rhythm that has just produced some pretty awesome fruit in my life personally and in our family and in pretty much everybody that we, you know, relate with here in Jerusalem. Yeah, that's amazing. Is there one that comes to mind, like a specific, like spiritual lesson that you felt like was either taught to you on Shabbat or through Shabbat that like still has impacted either you or the way that your family does things? Well, we're, we're, we're about faith and family. I mean, if you sort of distill what we're about, you know, we're, we're all about faith and, and God's word and, you know, aligning our lives and obeying what he has declared in his, in his word. And, and we're all about family. And I think, you know, um, the emphasis on togetherness and sharing a meal and blessing, you know, one another, um, and sharing, um, has just been awesome. I mean, one of my dear friends, uh, named Jeremy Pryor (laughs) had a profound effect on my life. Uh, when you guys were living in Jerusalem for that season, Mm -hmm. um, I think, I, it was Jeremy who was the first one I ever heard say, when it comes to the Shabbat, you know, there's two types of rest. And I think you guys, all the prior kids could just, you know, you know, you know, all these little phrases and stuff. But but he said there's two types of rest. You know, you rest when you're you're tired and you're exhausted. And that was the rest that I experienced in America and in the fast paced life that we live but he went on to say, but there's a second type of rest and it's a, it's a rest when you're finished. And that just opened this door of revelation to me personally to, um, weekly set aside that time to reflect on what I have been given by God. And I don't have to continue the struggle and be exhausted, but I, I, I can look forward to honoring that, that rest that's been provided to me by all of God's promises that are in the word. And so, um, th- that was a, that was a big trigger in my life. Uh, your father actually had, had put language to something that opened up a door for, for me that led our family into the way we do Shabbat. And it's just mm-hmm. been an awesome thing. That's awesome. I love that. Have, do you feel like you have, um, through the years of keeping a Shabbat, um, either one of you tapped into how your soul rests. Cause I feel like that it is finished rest is like a soul mm-hmm. rest that can be really hard to like, I don't know, tap into, or like, I think it takes years of like meditating on it and like you're walking with the Lord to, um, figure out what that means. I don't know. Have you guys had any experience with that? Um, 
Well, I have, I have to say too, that um, in kind of in relation to that question, um, of course, Jesus said very clearly that the Sabbath was made for man, mm-hmm. um, not man for the Sabbath. So therefore he, he showed freedom mm-hmm. in what he felt to do on the Sabbath to, to show his Lordship. Um, of course, I don't feel religious about it. And um, I think there's a lot of freedom in, in Yeshua um, in the Sabbath, but in the Shabbat. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are times you have to toss in a load of laundry or something like that because of ex- people are staying with you, guests that need to travel the next day, or your son's back from the army. <laughs> How do you think you're going to get all those uniforms clean in one day, <laughs> half a day? So, you know, there's things like that that go on, which I feel like there's a lot of grace for. Now, I think just like anything else, we we listen to the the still small voice because there are times I have done that and it wasn't the right thing to do because I felt mm. like I was striving, like, Oh, I got to get this done. And I go back into my old ways and yeah. then I pay the penalty in my soul. Two days later, I feel the impact mm. of not resting and not receiving and not coming in alignment and in sync mm. with the Shabbat rest of the Lord with my family. So, um, I don't know if that's directly answering your question, but when uh, we're in sync with that, there's a nourishing and a rest of the soul, whether it's playing a game or going on a walk or mm-hmm. spending time as we do in, in the word on Shabbat. Um, it's really uh, beautiful how there's freedom in that and how that's done, you know, but um, life flows and flexes as all of us understand. Um, and there is a beautiful freedom in that. But I do think there are times where I've stepped over the line and done things I shouldn't have done and I pay the consequence. So I think mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying in a negative way, I've learned through making mistakes <laughs> to rest. And even yeah. though there's a pile of things to do, let it go. You know, yeah. just let this one day be a day of rest. Mm-hmm. That's, re- and that's really, really great. Godly principle. Yeah. I also want to just add something to that, too, uh, Kelsey, about the, the soul, you know, rest. I, um, I have two things to say about that. I think that's a fantastic question, and I think it's it's a neglected question um, in kind of the high pace, fast pace, you know, world that we live in, kind of the nonstop world that we live in. Um, most people don't take time to go, what what does it for me? Uh, so my soul can be healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in an intense, you know, spiritual environment, there's, you know, you, you know, you want your spirit to be healthy, right? But we're created spirit, soul, and body. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think there's scripture that says, you know, may you be in health, you know, spirit, soul, and body. And so soul health is a, is a huge thing. And, um, <clears throat> so the direct answer to your question is, you know, in relationship Shabbat, how is my soul found that rest that we talked about? Um, I'm, I'm a family man, and I think if I could sum up the word that would define how I find the most soul rest, it's connection, good connection, a connection obviously with God, a connection to his word, but a connection to, the, to my family. And I think that the Shabbat allows for that type of connection to take place, you know, on a consistent weekly basis where, you know, I can go play a game or go do some hike or I could go have some event, 
But if, if my soul is not feeling that life connection to my wife or to my children, mm-hmm. you know, that, that event or that activity is not going to produce that kind of rest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how awesome is it when, you know, you have that connection, you know, with God, with his word and with your family. And then you maybe go do something. I remember we, we've done a variety of things. We've done spend Shabbat out in a park, you know, and we'll, we'll play together and, you know, we'll, we'll just eat stuff. And, but, but the priority is, is connection. It's, it's togetherness. It's living in that blessing of God being sovereign over our family. And man, that just, for me personally, that, that brings my soul to a place of great peace and great rest. You do a really good job at it, Steve. You're a great (laughs) facilitator of all the things you just mentioned. Um, To add one more thing, because I guess we're just going on our own river of uh, answers. Yeah, go for it. I love it. I think that uh, what I find is so important is just like Steve said, to have that point of connection time. I know, Kelsey, your family, um, I know for sure, this is true in your family, but when you're given that time and you give your kids that security and safety, um, not just the kids, but all of us to sit together and to really listen and to spend time, it's amazing what comes out on those days Mm -hmm. because sometimes it takes time to decompress and to process. And then some, some people in the family are verbal processors. Some are very quiet and internal processors. And so it it allows time for those things to flow out at their own pace. But I think in our culture, in the, you know, here it's Sunday through Friday, things are moving so fast that you don't always have that time to let it just naturally and organically um, release. And that's really what we all, we all need to get things out. We need to probe. We need to draw people out. We need to bless. We need to speak life words over our family members and, you know, in many cases, our kids have ministered over each other um, in mm. those times together and really had even a word or, you know, prophecy, yeah. prayer and intercession, you know, with tears. And so we've carried each other that way as well. And whoever happens to be here with us, they just get in on it. So we just kind of put them in the circle with us. And <laughs> whether it's family, like nieces living with us or people visiting, you know, they just get yeah. in on it. And they love, love it. it. Yeah, I love it. Last time, my, my favorite, one of my favorite Shabbats was the one we just had with you guys a couple months ago when we visited and we had dinner together and then we spent the night and then we read, I think it was First John maybe together mm-hmm. and then we went to a park afterwards and played games and it was just so, so much fun. And like you were saying, Steve, like that connection um, and having that through activities is really fun, but like it's the actual connecting part. Um, and for us with you guys, it's special just because we don't ever get to see you. So that connection is doubly important, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I love that. That's, that's so good. So um, I'd love to hear, yeah, go for it. Well, I wanted to make one other comment just came into yeah. my mind, and I don't know if this next question is going to, you know, allow that to come out. But what, what I just was thinking of, in, I think in Colossians, and you might have visited this scripture with your father when you talked about just the biblical, you know, um, revelation of, of the Shabbat. I think in Colossians it talked about, you know, don't allow people to judge you by, you know, uh, a festival or food and drink or, or a, the new moon or Shabbat. And then mm-hmm. the, the phrase right after that is that 
you know, this is substance. This is the shadow. These are shadows of what's to come. These are shadows, but the substance is Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, living in Jerusalem, we've seen so much, um, um, emphasis on like super religious families that are, Mm -hmm. it's almost so legalistic that there is no, it's just, so much focus on don't turn the light off. I mean, I've had literally, I've had literally have had people uh, knock on my door, you know, and say, would you come down to my apartment and turn off the stove or turn off the light? You know, these are observant Jewish families that are so um, determined to not, you know, mess up the Shabbat, you know, because we're, yeah, Mm -hmm. that, you know, and, and there's even, we have a friend that, that, uh, is a driver for pregnant women that are be- ready to deliver their babies, but because these people can't drive, you know, because that's work, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, th- th- this other friend of ours actually does the driving for them. And I get it. I mean, when I, I don't feel like uh, the point is, is that right or wrong? But I think, Paul nailed it in Colossians when he says, listen, don't get so um, into the, the, the shadow, you know, that right. you miss the point. And, and that's what I think, Tabby, you referred to that scripture where Yeshua said, look, the Sabbath uh, was made for man. This is a blessing, you know, mm-hmm. not the man was made for the Sabbath. So you have to just be all about the r- rules of it. Yeah. This is a blessing. And, and I think that the, as long as, um, we don't get stuck in the shadow and we hold to the substance. So that's what I was sharing about, you know, the substance of connection and mm-hmm. reflection and revelation and um, just integration yeah. with your loved ones just opens this door of blessing and peace and awesomeness that we get to experience as God's children. Yeah. yeah. I love that. That does lead in a little bit to my next question. I was just going to have you guys describe from a Friday afternoon to a Saturday evening, what life looks like in the city of Jerusalem, in your household. And we had experiences, like you said, when we were living in the apartment building with you guys, we, we've done Shabbat since I can remember. So even in the States, so we just kept doing it. Um, and we were mostly either doing it just with us or with you guys. So we had a very like messianic experience of, of Shabbat while we were in Jerusalem. But then I had a later experience where I was living with an Orthodox family for a couple of months. And that was a very different experience. Um, so I'll probably share those stories in a different podcast because there's a lot of stories. But um, I'd love to hear your guys' either experiences or just observations of other people of like just a typical Friday afternoon, people are preparing all the way through like what Shabbat actually looks like the day of. Okay. So in in, um, in Jerusalem on Friday, um, there is a buzz about the city. People are hustling and bustling about and um, – uh, getting the last minutes for the for the weekend because of course the it's, stores are closed. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the rush before the rest. Yes. Yeah. Strive to enter the rest. There's a verse that says that. Strive to enter yeah. God's rest. Yeah. So literally, most stores between two or three o'clock in the afternoon are literally closing, and so you need to grab your challah bread, you know, mm-hmm. for doing the kiddush before the meal. Um, and any other things you need for making dinner. If you're smart, you might go Thursday and grocery shop, which I try to do. <laughs> but 
but there is something fun about being out on Friday. It feels, it feels mm-hmm. something, but there's an extra, like, um, I don't want to say magic in the air cause it's not magic, but it feels special. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so we, if we're not out shopping with the city of Jerusalem, that's what's happening. Um, our family would be, um, home prepping for Shabbat, um, cooking, which sometimes takes all day because. Yeah. With your cooking, it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Really good. Everything's made from scratch. Um, Uh so either we're hosting friends and family here, um, or we're being invited to another's home. And sometimes we do a potluck style with our friends and community where each person brings a part, an element of the dinner so it doesn't all rest on one person. Um, but I tell you, one thing that you learn here in Israel is people love to eat. They love good food. As much as they love their family, I think food is second. So <laughs> Israel has great food and um, people are very generous with their food. I would say people are very generous with their homes and it's very common to open your home and have people to your home for dinner. Uh, you don't even need to know them well. You can invite them for Shabbat. And um, so this is what happens in um, a beautiful Shabbat dinner. And then um, hopefully a little bit of sleeping in on, on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the rhythms of Saturday are rest and all the things we talked about. And the city stays quiet. Um, our neighborhood particularly is in a religious area. Um, where there's a really um, special synagogue that's, um, what would you say, nostalgic or well-recognized and well-respected. So a lot of people move to this neighborhood because they love the synagogue. So one of our favorite things is just looking out there and seeing um, all the families walking to synagogue and back with their prayer shawls and such. Um, In the weeks past, though, because of the virus that we're experiencing um, that's getting better and better, they haven't been praying at the synagogue, so we have a lot of um, men in minions, meaning groups of 10 or more, praying together right on our street. It's a very heavily heavily populated prayer street. Um, it's one of, I guess, wow. three, we're told, that really get into prayer. So they, they still continue to gather together, come uh, wind, rain, or shine on the street, and masks wow. and all. So. Um, we amazing. still get to, we get to even be more a part of their prayers during this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, they're faithful, you know, morning, noon and night, they're out there praying. And wow. honestly, it's kind of convicting in a way, uh, because mm-hmm. they're one thing about the Jewish people is they're going to follow through yeah. with the traditions that they've been mm-hmm. taught from their mothers and fathers. So it's a, it's a good reminder to all of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, Saturday too, you know, after the Friday night meal and um, just family time, you know, we wake up late and then um, we'll wake up when we want, you know, and then usually take the leftover challah bread and turn it into French toast and have a wonderful yes. breakfast. And then after cleanup, it's family time. You know, we, we sit around and we open the word together. We open our lives, we open our hearts and, um, you know, it's just a special time of connection. And, you know, we don't always stay in the house. Sometimes we'll go out and do a family, you know, thing. We'll go outside, we'll meet up with other people and go on a hike or be in the park or, um, you know, but just, what's that? Or go to the beach. Yeah, yeah, nowadays. Yeah, it's really nice to go to the beach. (laughs) That's awesome. 
Great. Well, I love hearing your guys's like journey with Shabbat. It's very, it's funny because we've, we've landed at very similar places, but both of our families have come from different places when it comes to learning about Shabbat. So I love hearing about it and experiencing it with you guys. I can't wait to have another Shabbat in Jerusalem with you. Yeah. <laughs> We're waiting for you. We're waiting. Yes. Oh. I can't wait. One thing I'm curious about, this is just um, a little, I wasn't planning on asking this, but I'm curious now that you have a kid in the army, I'm wondering how they do they do they get Shabbat so for everyone who doesn't know every kid 18 up has to go into the army for two to three years so now that your oldest is in the army what does he get to rest does he get Shabbat does he get to come home what's that like that's a good yeah. question um so on <clears throat> on average he's home every other weekend okay um, it can, it flexes a little bit. Sometimes it's every weekend and this particular time he has a three week stretch where he doesn't come back. Mm. But, um, when he's at base, um, they do have a Shabbat dinner for the soldiers and it's usually a little bit special, you know, mm. more than usual, a little more meat and something a little bit more, um, upgraded. <laughs> and, um, after Shabbat, yeah, the, after they have their dinner, they can just go back to their rooms and, that's it. They have all of Shabbat on base. Yes. Aside from free, they, might have free tiny, time. they might have tiny chores to do, but they don't have to do any like workouts or Krav Maga or shooting or anything like that. They can just say all day on it. Saturday. Yeah. it's a yeah. Wow. They might have to do if they're closing, they call it on the Shabbat, meaning you're closing the base, like you're protecting the base. Then you might have to do a watch. Um, but typically most of the time is free on Shabbat. Now, by sundown on Saturday, Shabbat, they're back to, um, they've got rhythms they have to go back into. But yeah, yeah. Samuel really gets time to rest. And um, and when he comes home, he's usually, the soldiers usually come home on Friday. And if they take the typical army bus transportation, they're home by early afternoon. And then they have to go back to base early Sunday morning. So whatever you can fit into a day and a half or a day and three fourths, you do, you do everything yeah. you can. You stuff That's them amazing. full of food and let them sleep and have fun and lots of hugs. Yeah. I just think that's so fascinating how deeply it's penetrated the culture. Cause I was wondering like, do they still, I mean, they have mostly like almost all Jewish soldiers. So I would assume that most of them come from backgrounds, even the seculars, pe secular people yeah. um, that keep Shabbat. So I'm like, how do they adjust to that? But that's so fascinating to know that that's how, that's how deep the culture goes that even the army recognizes it and will send people home if they can. So I love that. So interesting. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us today. I'm so glad we got to catch you at seven hour time difference. So thanks so much for being flexible and um, telling us about your story. Thank you, Kelsey. I have to yeah. add that you are a incredible um, interviewer. You ask great questions. <laughs> and um, thank you for drawing out the best, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh -oh. Anything yeah, from you guys is the best, so. Thanks for listening to this episode of Strength and Dignity. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and sign up for our newsletter to be notified of all the fun stuff we have rolling out. All the links can be found in the description below. Hope you tune in next time.